Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the ARIA podcast, a podcast about music, art, and social issues. My name is Julianne Colwell and I'm your host. This podcast is all about giving fellow creatives a voice and a platform. You can follow us on Instagram at ARIA podcast or on Patreon at ARIA podcasts. Well, hello everyone. I am here today with Alex Price. <laughs> hello. Hello. Alex is one of my very good friends. Um, he's an amazing trumpet player and composer and uh wow you, you know you you play a lot more than just trumpet but i remember when i first met you i knew you as a trumpet player <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 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 i mean i i play like i mean a trumpet player is like you know what i definitely do a lot of but like i started on piano so for me like i don't even know what to, to call myself anymore you're just a musician you know yeah, just through like, and through <laughs> I like that. just like musician you know it's nice in general yeah, definitely. Well, I I was really excited to bring Alex on because I I thought it'd be really cool to touch on some some different stuff. Like I I like to bring on people who I met at school at ASU or people that I've played music with and and you are one of those people cuz we got to play a lot together. But um I feel like you're into something a little different than what I've discussed before. And that is um, like not just composing, but also composing for film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, they don't really call it film composing, though. They call it film scoring, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called film scoring, you know, <laughs> or, or maybe cinema scoring. But Cinema scoring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, film scoring, you know, and the film scoring and composition, like all kinds, I mean. Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, I don't know about labels, but like I definitely mm-hmm. love composition, like music composition for sure. And the way I view all the like you know music I play and what instruments I can play or or try to play um, is all really in the service of composition for me. So and then like I don't know, film scoring was just like a natural progression of that. So you were probably writing a lot of music, and then was there like a certain time that it kind of dawned on you that you wanted to write for film or did it just kind of like fall into your lap like this opportunity to write for film happened and you were like oh maybe I should try that yeah well um honestly it's a little bit of both like I mean I've I've always loved like film music and and different media um like music and media like you know video games uh, tv you know uh <laughs> music and audiobooks like is, is there something about like music com- combined with stories and um you know that it's just that interplay was really fascinating to me um so i i've always like really loved it but it, it seemed like something that was kind of uh I, I don't know like you know like a far off goal or something like far-fetched you know um i feel that way about a lot of the things that like i'll, I'll try to accomplish like at one point in my life it always feels like you know something super far-fetched but then you know you find yourself doing it all of a sudden um but like yeah with film scoring i uh it you know i wanted to do it for such a long time and then like uh you know my one of my good friends um had been doing like some film scoring as well like she was in uh, film and music uh you know at school and um we you know she told me about this like a uh, film scoring class at asu and i was like yeah i'm, I'm all in i definitely want to do that because i was doing like some jazz composition a little bit um, and that was amazing. You know, we, we studied a lot of films and movies and, um, but the, the class was like split. Yeah. Split into two parts where we studied film and then we also worked and studied logic. We were like, basically, yeah, the history of it. Um, and then we did the technical part, like every, every other class. So like what I really wanted, like, was to get a lot of experience, you know, with, um, 
the technical side of it because i feel like you know that always made no sense to me like you know production um uh, working in a digital audio workstation like logic pro or like you know um people maybe would know like garage man that's a type of one but like all that stuff really eluded me so i was really excited to do that um and then yeah i just kind of progressed from there i, I got some instruction from that professor which is a kind of a lucky uh happenstance um but yeah i studied with him for like um, a whole semester in college and uh as you know i think i was you know uh graduated like a couple months after i graduated i got thrown some some student films and and then i just kind of you know the ball just kind of rolled from there like i was just really really into the process of all that that's awesome yeah i mean i feel like i want to go back to what you were saying earlier about how sometimes things seem so far off in the Mm -hmm. distance to us and then we kind of end up realizing over time that we've kind of either been doing the things to get there all along and we didn't realize it or we just kind of start doing it and it's like oh wow yeah this is actually this is really finally happening <laughs> like <laughs> i can think of so many so many times in like my musical life where that happened i mean i used to dream about having a radio show and mm-hmm. here we are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't know how we made it here well i mean <laughs> I mean, it, it's just kind of funny how these like little opportunities um, kind of come into your life and mm-hmm. you think to yourself, well, you know, maybe I could try that, but I don't know if I'm ready yet or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. But I feel like um, every time I say that I'm not ready, I'm ready. I just oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know it yet. You know, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, um, yeah, I mean, like for me, it's always like it's a combination of feeling like super scared of like oh my gosh i'm doing this thing that you know one i've either been scared of for a while to do or you know two i've I've dreamed of doing um this type of you know thing like artistic or in my in my life too um but you know there's always that part of it but i think over the years i've learned to trust that feeling of something that is more of like you know maybe if if this is something that you really want to do but you're scared to do you should you should probably do it um you know and, and i've I've kind of just fallen headfirst into that feeling um, with everything that I, I kind of work towards. And, um, and, you know, like, yeah, I, I, you know, I think when I, when I, my first major, I mean, you know, big uh, project, I feel like where I was getting that feeling a lot was my album in college, my thesis um, album. And that, that ex- like <laughs> extended a feeling of tumbling headfirst into something scary, but you really want to do um you know, what kind of kept me propelling me forward. But like, I can remember when I was a kid, um, you know, listening to music on my little iPod Nano, um, you know, just dreaming of the day I would like my, have my name on an album and something. Um, oh, and yes, uh, yeah, it's just like, it's so weird, you know, because like as, as artists or musicians or like, you know, this is for a lot of us, this is like a lifelong dream is to follow these kind of things. And, you know, we have when we're kids, we have these ideas of what we want to do. And and then all of a sudden you just fall into it and you look back at your life and you go, whoa, look at all these things that I've done already. Or, you know, look at all these things I'm doing or look at all these things I want to do. Right? And it's it's just a cool feeling. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I used to just sing in the shower. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> that was that was the big thing that I did when I was little is I would like dream of being a pop star because when mm-hmm. I was in elementary school, like Britney Spears was all the rage and like Christina Aguilera and like, I think boy bands were like making their way out, but they were still kind of relevant. (laughs) And that was that time where you, you can imagine yourself on stage learning all these crazy cool dance moves and you've got the like earpiece, like 
headset thing and like I used to sing in the shower like every night and my parents were always like you're gonna be famous one day Julianne and we just know it like they were kind of like teasing me but Mm. I knew back then I like really really I knew I wanted to do it like because when I was young I started out in other other arts related things like I started out in ballet before I ever did anything music related Mm -hmm. but that kind of gave me an opportunity to be on stage and kind of understand how music worked by you know learning how to dance to it and then when I joined band that was fun it's like uh I had a choice between orchestra or band and I kind of was leaning towards either like the cello or the saxophone (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of funny because when I ended up playing baritone saxophone it's like basically the cello of the saxophone family Mm. in a way so I think it all worked out but oh yeah it's it's crazy like thinking way back to when I was singing in the shower and and thinking to myself yeah maybe someday I'll end up on stage and and singing and then I think back to my like emerging artist show at the Nash where Mm -hmm. I got to sing an original song I mean, I sang an original song on my junior recital, but that barely counted because it was at ASU. It, like, <laughs> it wasn't as like high caliber <laughs> as like performing at the Nash at a you know jazz venue and stuff. And that was such a crazy moment for me because, you know, basically what you were saying, it's like if you're kind of scared to to do something but you really want to do it, you might as well go for it. And I think that I really trust that feeling when I tell myself, yeah, someday, someday I'll get there. I, I, I roll with that and I trust it instead of kind of let it get me down. Cause I know that sometimes it's really easy to say, oh yeah, someday it'll happen for me. And then it kind of makes you feel kind of like gloomy kind of thinking, well, who knows when someday is going to be, you know? Exactly. And I think also sometimes like it's, it's, you know, the, the opposite side of that, like, oh, this is something, you know, I want to do, but like, it'll never happen. Right. Or I'm never going to be able to do this thing. It's going to be too hard or too many people or, you know, Ugh. and it's, it's that like constant push and pull. And I, I think, you know, as I've, yeah. Cause like, I mean, I, I, I didn't start in, in ballet. That would have been cool. Um, <laughs> I, I was doing, I didn't like sports a lot when I was a kid. I did baseball. I was like, nice. Uh, you know, I remember going out and practicing that all the time. Um, but like, I did piano lessons when I was younger and got exposed to music that way. And, and then I chose clarinet and band just because I thought like band sounded cool. You know, it was like, this is, this sounds like a fun thing to do. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I think, but the thing is like, I actually didn't really want to be in band at first. It wasn't band. Like, um, cause I sang in the shower too. And like, mm-hmm. But I was really self-conscious about it. Like I would sing in the right. shower and then like, if my mom would call me out on it, I'd be like, no, you didn't hear me sing in the shower. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't singing. I was, I was something else. But like, um, and you know, she would like, she would always be like, oh, you should join the choir. And, and I, I never would. I never would do it. But it's like, for me, band mm-hmm. was like the second option, funnily enough. <laughs> but like, I mean, yeah. It, but I mean, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, as, as I've gone further with music and art and you know, we, we, we get more confidence and we obviously grow up and like, you know, um, and I, I think as well develop a, a like a, 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 you know, backlog of memories to look back on. Like, like you said, that your emerging artist show, you know, for me, like, yeah, my, my emerging artist show too, I look back on that and go like, wow, you know, that was a day that had loomed in my mind for months and months and months of like this. I think I had marked that day on my calendar, like a year and a half out because, or maybe mm-hmm. I think a year out because that was my album release show too. So it was like a really um it was a big big moment for me 
Um, and I was so scared to cross that threshold. But then like looking back on it now, it's like, well, you know, that was that was amazing. And it really wasn't too bad. And it gave me a lot of confidence to go and do things in the future now. You know, so I try to I try to keep those memories as like, you know, ammunition whenever I feel like overwhelmed by something or I feel like, um, you know, I, I'm, I have this goal I want to do. I'm never going to accomplish it. I, I just think about all the things I've already accomplished, you know, big or small and the reality, like the grand scheme of things. But like they were big to me at one time. So. Right. I feel you there. I feel you there. It's I I have always had a serious case of like imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. And I and I know that artists in general really struggle with imposter syndrome. Just this idea that whatever you're doing, you're not worthy of doing it or you don't deserve it or it just doesn't feel right. Like maybe someone else should do it or you can't possibly be good enough to do this kind yeah, of thing. And someone else should. <laughs> yeah, <I'd find> that. <laughs> like just get someone else in here <laughs> instead of me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's funny is that people, someone else is doing it always. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I never really liked to use this as like a motivating factor for me, this whole, well, someone else is doing it. Someone else is better than you at it. So you might as well do it or whatever. Like I've, I've also heard the opposite of like, well, other people are way worse at music than you and they're getting gigs. So what well, are you that, waiting for? <laughs> uh, I've never heard that one. That, that's, that, that's, uh, that's biting. That's hard. I mean, it yeah, is. Like the, I, I think, you know, <clears throat> for me, like that, that kind of manifested in, um, you know, people like uh, off the top of my head, like Joey Alexander, that like, I oh, think, yeah. of, I think of him as perpetually 13, but he's got to be like 16 now, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> I guess he's growing up. Yeah, he's growing up. But like, yeah, he's, you know, that insane prodigy. And then you, you know, you've got, yeah, you've got all these people who are what around our age and you can look at them mm -hmm. and go, wow, they're, they're so accomplished. And like, you know naturally we want to compare ourselves but like what i always try to think about is um yeah I've, no, I've actually never thought about the well there's people worse than me doing i've never thought that which i guess I, i'm thankful i've never thought that but it's um it's more i i think um on like an individualistic level i go like okay so you know they're amazing at what they're doing but like right. well, what, what do i like about what i'm doing and I, I try to take stock of that and you know and instead of comparison it's more like apples to oranges you know everybody's everybody's got a got something unique like a unique flavor to offer I think so absolutely well and you know what's crazy too is like when you actually realize that you like your own music you have to go whoa <laughs> like <laughs> because for some reason there's this like unfortunate idea that if you listen to your own music and you like it that you're like a narcissist or something and that you're so full of yourself and like I don't think that that's really fair mm -hmm. because you should be able to take pride in your work and your music and like what you do without you know being being yeah, judged I, for liking it i guess oh my gosh absolutely yeah i mean like i'll, I'll just say this on record i listen to my album you know a good amount mm -hmm. of time um not not all the time anymore but <laughs> um i mean like you know it's interesting with 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 like yeah with listening to your own stuff is like sometimes i'll even tell myself that like oh you're narcissistic for listening to this or whatever mm -hmm. or i'm mostly like imagine you know, if somebody knew that I was listening to an album, but like I, the way the way I think about it is, or I've come to think about it is like everything that you've already made is a snapshot of like this was me in this artistic space in this like literal space with these people, you know, yes. or maybe this was the result of this many months of work, like because I, I mixed my own album too, and I, when I I had to listen to that like those those tracks, um, you know, unfinished for so long like i should be i should be reasonably bored out of my mind of my own album by this point <laughs> but you know yeah listening back to your own music i think it's like it's 
yeah, it's one way to like to ch- to take stock of like you know look at look at everything I've done, but also I think, you know, we we make music for reasons. Like we make music, you know, for maybe artistic expression or or joy or or what whatever. And you know, you, you go back and you listen to that because it's something that, or maybe you know, like for me, the way I I think about making stuff is I make something that I I would want to hear in the world. So it yeah. makes sense that you would want to listen to your own music because it's something that you would you would want to listen to, right? Or at least that's why I think about it. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. I mean, that's what's difficult is that you need to learn to, like, we all need to learn to love ourselves outside of music and outside of our passions and stuff. But it's also like a huge part of loving yourself to just like give yourself a break and <laughs> love your music and love what you're working on and love how you sound in the moment. And yeah. what's really funny for me is listening back to like old recordings from like four years ago of me. Mm-hmm. Um Cause I mean, I cringe a little bit, but I think it's kind of cringing in like this happy way because I remember who I was back then. And I remember the girl that mm-hmm. was playing that music. And I think that it's like kind of this like endearing feeling where you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, absolutely. that really was where I was at. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with this being out in the world for people to listen to. Cause mm-hmm. obviously, you know, if they're paying any attention they might look at the date of the video and realize that it's from 2017 and (laughs) you know whatever I think it's really um just important to to just listen to all aspects of of you Mm -hmm. as you're growing in your music or in your art in any aspect and just kind of like enjoy it for what it is you know you don't have to go well yeah that's the best I could have done or that's the best I'll ever do yeah, well, you never want to say that. I, I mean, yeah, you hit on something I, I didn't, I, I should have mentioned this too. Like when, you know, whenever I've released anything or an a recital or music, unless it's something like with my film tours, it's a bit different because I'm more distant from them. Like I'm not playing in them mm-hmm. um, or maybe even things I've mixed. It's easier, but like, yeah, with, I mean, with my album, I couldn't listen to that when it released. I, I like could not bring myself to, to touch it at all. Yeah. Um, I was like, I was like in perpetual shock that people would be listening to it. Not that I, cause I wasn't, not that, I, so I should phrase that well, cause I was super proud of the, you know, the musicians I played with were all, all incredible right. musicians and they all played really well. And I, and I, I think I chose the best takes of, you know, what they played on this. I was really proud of what they did. Um, but you know, there's always like this, this vulnerability, I think whenever we release art or music into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, whenever I listen to my music now, it's, like because it took me a little bit of time to get to to be able to listen all the way through but whenever I listen to it it's like a reaffirmation of like you know what this is something I do like and I am proud of this and and I I feel like I I listen to it and I like you know because I'm able to listen to it as like a a listener now because I don't even for for me whenever I I feel like whenever I release something to the world then I it it doesn't you know it's not mine anymore in a way right right? Um, not that like I'm not responsible for it you know it gets into a whole thing like I, I am responsible for it, but it's it's not like representative of me in my current form, you know. So I'm able to listen to it as like as a listener would, and I feel like yeah, whenever I listen to my own music, it's like a time capsule. I'm able to understand more and more about it and about myself and the process. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, we've we've been mentioning your your first, you know, your first release of music a <laughs> yeah. little bit now, and um, yeah. So your your album that you had that nash show for the emerging artist show that was your album that you wrote like getting out of asu so Mm -hmm. you described it as your thesis piece because you were attending 
the music school and you were attending the honors college and mm-hmm. they, the honors college have their undergraduates do a thesis, right? Yeah. They, they yeah. Barrett, um, the honor, like at the honors college at ASU has everybody do a thesis for sure. Well, yeah. So they, they have you create a thesis and you were double majoring mm-hmm. in music and in English literature, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Awesome. So, of course, <laughs> what you did with your thesis is you wrote a story and wrote music to go along with the story, and you called it Life Story. Mm-hmm. I did call it that, yes. It's um, pretty awesome. Yeah. I uh, I mean, like, you know, I, I've always loved, like, writing, and, and I mean, that's why I really like scoring, because, like, it's, you know, it's for stories and media. Um, so that's why I wanted to do English, because I actually almost did film instead of English. It was, like, almost film and music. But I think I took a film class. I, I remember being really like, I, I think it was just like, I just didn't gel with the people in the film class. I love all uh, the people. I love all the film students I talk to now. As I don't mean like that. I just meant like, personally, I didn't feel like I was a film student. You know, like, I think right now I feel like I'm a, as, you know, a film, I guess, big air quotes, film composer. I feel like I'm in a really unique spot where I'm between music and in film like I'm, I'm in i'm bridging the gap between that um yeah but like for my 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 album because you know they yeah they they make you do this thesis which a lot of people kind of kind of uh, well kind of groan you know when, when mm-hmm. you have to do a thesis and it's kind of like a notorious thing for you to for people to do barrett and uh and then not continue because of the thesis which is entirely valid to be right fair. it's a lot it's of a, work it's a lot of work it's an insane amount of work and um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I decided I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity. You know, I knew there would be a lot of work, but I also knew I really wanted to get this project done because I had already envisioned this project for a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was like a really long, really, really long process. I think it's like two and a half years of maybe conceptualization, um, of just thinking about what I wanted to do and, and writing obviously, but, um, it wasn't really necessarily that I wrote the story first and then the music, it was. It's more like I had yeah conceptualization of what I wanted to do, um, which was just combine story and music, and a lot of a lot of the decisions I made came out of that initial decision actually like what type of story I was going to tell, you know like obviously I wanted to tell something personal ish or something that was like, you know I felt, um, was like like an artistic expression of you know my my experiences and thoughts and not not verbatim as if anybody. Yeah, has, has read my story, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, but like I mean, it's it's a very like archetypal story, you know. That's um, there's a lot of details that are almost intentionally vague because, you know, music communicating a story through music is really tricky if you want to get really detail oriented. Um, you know, it it just doesn't work like not in the same way when you read a book. Um, you know, this it's really like Charles Dickens, right? Like would, um, mm-hmm. have these incredibly detailed passages about just like you know, descriptions of things. Music's not like that. It's, it's, you can't do that. Um, but it's really, really good at, for, in my opinion, communicating emotion in, in a way that, um, like, like direct emotion, you know, and I, I'm, I'm kind of a believer in that music is one of the closest approximations we have to like literally, you know, um, conceiving of emotion in, in some sort of form, you know, like when we read, read a book or watch a, watch a film, we have emotional reactions to it, but I don't know. I, I think of music as, as like directly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I just really wanted to do something that linked stories and music and 
it's really hard, but <laughs> I, I, I think I, I hopefully was successful with it. I think you definitely were successful. I mean, that's kind of you, you really, you, you really said it um, when you said that it's really impossible to be like super, well, it seems impossible mm-hmm. to be really detail oriented when you're um, yeah, connecting oh, both things. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't want to talk in absolutes. Like, I mean, there could be, it's just what, what I found is it's more difficult you know, like, cause I, I did experiment with like trying to write out, like, I'll write out like this short story and it ended up becoming a lot longer than like a short story. Sure. And then I'll translate that into music. And like, I think my, cause I also did a lot of research. Um, there's all this stuff is available on my website too. You know, got to get mm-hmm. the plug in there. Uh, com <laughs> slash life story with a hyphen between life and story. But if you go there, you can read the story. You can listen to the music all free. And um, you can also read my thesis where, uh, you know, going into this, like, I guess to circle back really quickly, like with the thesis, you know, um, it's the way that Barrett does it is it's very individual, like focus, you, you design it yourself, you, you know, you can kind of go and do whatever you really like. Um, and then right. you, you find a professor to work with you on it. And, um, you know, and it, yeah, for me, I, I designed a lot of what I want to do, like I knew I wanted to do an album, knew I wanted to do a story. And I also knew I wanted to have a research component. Um, I think partly because I wanted to validate it in a weird way. Like it really didn't need research. Like, you know, I think, I think the music by itself was valid, but you know, I was a bit insecure about my whole idea. So I wanted to, I wanted to research it. And um, a lot of that research was just really fascinating to me because like, it's all started out with like concept albums. I used to be really loved by like concept albums, like um, like Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. I love that album. Um, like a lot of a lot of hip-hop stuff I, I got really into around that time even though like my album was nothing really no nothing to do with hip-hop but like um uh there's a lot of really great concept albums in hip-hop that i pulled uh, inspiration from but yeah like uh, that stuff was really cool but like the first thing i did with my my thesis was i what i i pr- i tried to test a hypothesis which was like okay so if music has meaning outside of like just being a sound then how do you how do you translate that to words? I think what I first wanted to do was like, okay, maybe music like each each note, each interval, each chord has a set meaning, you know, like like a major third means happy sunshine, or right. <laughs> minor third means sad clouds, <laughs> you know, like that. And yeah, you can see. I mean, that's basically because I I got into this book called I think it's called The Language of Music by a guy named Derek Cook. Um, and it was literally that it was like a whole book of definitions of intervals like a minor second I think was like or like yeah mid minor second was like I think um lamentful longing you know which which is very pretty I like that a lot but like spicy yeah but like there's a lot (laughs) of problems with that because what if it's not lamentful longing you know or like what does lamentful longing even mean like I'm, I'm paraphrasing but a lot, right. of, a lot of that broke down pretty quickly for me and, and i also that would have been really difficult to like construct a music you know in the same way we construct a book of like okay um i want to say the the fox jumped over the tree okay the is a minor second you know the fox is is a uh, major seven flat nine chord and sorry that doesn't Ooh. work but, <laughs> um but yeah like it gets really tricky and so instead what i started to do was okay th- that's not how i'm going to do this instead i'm going to focus on um, themes, thematic ideas, motif, you know, um, I looked at a lot of like opera, um, what, what was going on in like operatic composition, um, and specifically, you know, having these different themes that would carry across an entire opera that you would grow as an audience, you would grow to have associations with, 
Um, so essentially, it's not like music has a set definition, but as a composer, you can condition your audience to to gain a definition of what you mean um, by re- by repetition, you know, by um, uh, like how, I mean, let's look at like you know any if this is film scoring. So like this is why I got such so into film scoring too, is because that's what film scoring does. Film scoring establishes a certain theme, you know, that might have to do with a character or something, um, and you know because of that that theme might pop up when a character comes on or like an action happens we tend to start associating that with with the character you know um and that that was my way in um but i had a big problem which was i wasn't writing for film or opera i was writing for, right. for jazz <laughs> jazz combo and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's really hard to build those associations with you know within without without having anything to associate with so um, but like, I think from there, what I, what I just kind of, I mean, I, I took this, okay. So I, I had an English degree, but I took this class my senior year called experimental narrative, which was like the mm-hmm. most insane class, like in a really good way I ever, it was my, my favorite class. Um, uh, besides all my music classes, music teachers, if you're listening, uh, is my favorite class in my undergrad. It, it was just like exploded my idea of what narrative or stories could be. You know, like we, we tend to think of stories as something like um, really linear, uh, you know, a uh, character starts here, goes here, and then ends there. But this class basically talked about narrative as a, as a concept that, you know, applies to life and applies to people and applies to, you know, doesn't have to be linear. It could be something that branches off in different ways. But really narrative is, for me, what I what I my definition of what a narrative was is is you have point a and point b and narrative is the string between them you know so you could you could have point a and point b but then point c above it and point d to the diagonal left and all those strings of attachment are narratives um so (laughs) that that's that was basically the thesis of that class which is ooh very very off in the stratosphere (laughs) of things to think about but um, I feel like I'm talking a lot. Should I should I keep going or? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing great. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying all of this. I mean, really, all I want to add with mm-hmm. with that. I mean, first off, that is like that does sound like a really really fascinating and really cool class. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that is the thing with music is that everyone is going to kind of hear it and interpret it it dif- interpret it. The <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. is going to hear it and interpret it differently. Absolutely. So you. You can definitely hope that, you know, and, and this this is the case for, for songs that have a title but don't have a story behind it necessarily, yeah. where you can title a song something and kind of hope that people are kind of thinking about that vibe, you know, whatever the title is. Like, mm-hmm. if you call a song, the fox jumped over a tree or something <laughs> like that, Yeah, are they going to think of that? Are they going to think of a fox or... A forest or yeah. you know some some sort of like outdoor scenery when they listen to your song or are they going to think about something completely different and mm-hmm. that's what's funny about you know why that didn't work for you matching intervals with uh, certain ideas because mm-hmm. when i think of a major sec or a minor second mm-hmm. a minor second is a super dissonant crunchy weird sound and i don't think about this longing feeling i think about yeah. i mean i don't really know what i think about i think it depends on the context but people who don't study piano and don't study music Mm -hmm. that don't really understand that concept of intervals 
they're never going to catch just two well maybe they are i shouldn't say they would never but they're never going to just hear two pieces of music two notes together and think of a theme a theme can usually be more strung out you know there there needs to be more musical idea to go Mm. along with the theme i think in order for that to work which i think is what happened you know with with when you thought of okay here's point a and here's point b and Mm. what can i put on that string between the two to make this narrative happen like Mm -hmm. that is where people are going to start to interpret the music in so many different ways so you know well i think with with that like web idea for me because yeah you hit the nail on the head absolutely and that's what i realized is um i mean i had this like straight up authoritarian view of my music and that like okay i'm going to tell this story this music's going to mean this this song is going to mean this and if this person doesn't get the right meaning then (laughs) you know like but like it was like straight up like this is the right interpretation and i realized no that's not right that's not what music that's not what's great about music or honestly even books and movies and things that are more straightforward is what's what's amazing about them is every person who views that or consumes art or whatever listens to music will view it differently you know and that's the that's the thing that should be championed what i kind of came across and um and that really freed me up a lot to do things and like you know i think yeah to go back to that web what you know i maybe personally you know me i have a set intention from a to b right i i'm on that string but you you might be c so you might come away mm-hmm. from my story with a completely different or my my music with something completely different right and that, it's all based on our own life stories you know <laughs> um which, yeah or, yeah but um but you know like I, I could i could talk about this stuff for forever like i i, I you know i was to anybody who listened to me around that time, I, I, I chewed their ear off about this stuff because it's something that is fascinating to me and something I, I want to continue in, in my uh, in my career. Um, but really, at the, I think at the core of it for me what was really it, it's because I think something that's fascinating is always an emotional core of it, you know, unless I mean, well, I mean, I don't know. I would probably argue with everything. There's always an, a, a personal emotional core why we're fascinating or interested in something. And, and for me, that core is is expression. I think it's communication. You know, I feel like yeah. uh, I've I feel like for me, like I've I've had to really learn to be a decent talker. You know, um, you know, like we, we were in we were in the the Nash hot dogs and jazz group, right? And <laughs> yes, um, with with that, you know, we all learned. We we all really, I think, in that time, had uh, for the for those who, who want background on that, it's a, like a the Nash's education intern group in Phoenix. Um, and uh, you know, me and Julianne did a lot of outreach with that. Um, but uh, you know, we had to we had to learn to speak in that. And but I think like with all my performances and things, I've learned to speak. But for me, I feel like um, I've never really been good at communicating, um, like uh, really authentically uh, outside of music. I feel like music is is the way that I, I really truly communicate. So like finding a way to to understand my language of music, understand how to communicate to people, and and how to communicate to people not in a way that's authoritarian but in a way that's that just gets a reaction out of them right like i want someone to listen to my album and you know they they can go and listen read the story on my website they can read my thesis uh there's program notes too people can read people could read the titles but you know what a lot of people probably listen oh people who went to my show probably listen to my album on the stereo you know they put cds into their car right. and 
there's not even title titles on that. It's just track one, track two, track three. Um, you know, and and I I honestly love that. Like even though I put so much work into the story, I love that somebody might listen to my album and and have something take away something completely, you know, uh, of their own. They have the and then they form their own memories with it. Like that that's what gets me emotionally <clears throat> is people having that reaction. Um, cause it's, it's what I love about music. It's like, you know, I have, when I listen to music of, you know, that of artists I love or, or, you know, people I know, people, people's music I know, and I, and I have a really emotional reaction. Um, that's what I love. And that's what I want people to get out of my music. So that's what makes me, gives me the warm and tingly fuzzies, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, absolutely. I was thinking about this with, this is a, this is kind of like a music lesson I do mm-hmm. with kids is. I play a piece of music for them and I, you know, we make a little giant tree or circle or something on the board and I ask them to tell me how it makes them feel Mm -hmm. without going into major and minor and how some songs sound happy and some songs sound sad. Instead of going that route, I try to ask them how it makes them feel first. And that is because when I was learning music really young, I was kind of told what to hear. You know what I mean? When you tell someone that a song in a major key sounds happy and like sunshine and rainbows, like you were saying earlier, they have this preconceived idea that it's supposed to sound happy to them, mm-hmm. which isn't always the case. And I think that what's fun is especially with younger kids, getting them to tell you, <laughs> tell me how this music makes you feel yeah. and not just how it makes you feel emotionally, but like truly what parts of your body do you notice when you listen to this song? Do you notice something in, in your ears or in the, in the tip of your nose or, or in your toes? Like, what do you notice? How does it make you feel? And it's really, really interesting. You can try this with really little ones and you can try this with much older kids and they'll come up with some really deep ass wording, <laughs> you know, like so cool. way yeah. different than what I would expect. Right. Yeah. I mean like that kind of stuff, you know, for me, like uh, I didn't have any memories of that, but like I have a really strong memory of being in my music class when I was younger where we did something, um, I think our teacher just put on like Beethoven or something, and she told mm-hmm. us, all right, everybody, get out a piece of paper, get out a crayon, and just draw to the music. And yes. not, not like, you know, um, not like, I mean, it, I guess it could be pictures, but like, like just scribble to the music. And she called it music maps. And I love that. Like, I'll do that with some of my students sometimes. And I'm nef- not, not nearly as good as explaining it as uh, my music teacher was. So my students will normally just look at me and go like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> like for me, for some reason that had such an impact on me because it was like the first time in my life, you know, yeah, nobody told me how to feel about it. Nobody told me anything. It was just pure connection to the music. It's in, in a way that like, I mean, obviously scribbling on a piece of paper doesn't take much skill, but like, you know, dancing is probably I mean, like even with dancing, like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. th- there's incredible dancers, very technical dancers. But, you know, the great thing about dancing is anybody can do it. Same thing with singing, you know, just like in, in a, you know, a, a winter classic movie Elf uh, with Will Ferrell singing, <laughs> <laughs> singing in the shower. Oh, no, is it? Yeah, is it Will Ferrell or it's the other character? It's Will Ferrell, yeah. Oh, yeah, but like, you know, it's like anybody can sing. Or, um, and I, that's something else, too, is like, you know, not maybe not to get too much into it, but I feel like. You know, as as a multi instrumentalist, heavy air quotes again, because um, like that's not even the way I view it, playing my music. Like for me, instruments have always been a vehicle. They've just been. Um, I've never really mm-hmm. felt 
personally connected to my trumpet and i think that's because of a lot of different things like i've I've had a pretty particular particularly difficult road with my trumpet um just with you know playing wise and i'm proud of where i am on on trumpet but uh, uh you know I've, through different events in my life i've really had to consider what my identity is as a player as a musician and um, yeah uh, without going into too many details you know there was a time in my life when i i was having a lot of issues just playing the trumpet like um embouchure it's called like embouchure dysfunction um yes uh yeah for me it wasn't too bad i was young and it happened because of my i got braces um but it it can persisted Mm. after they got off so it was basically a dysfunction and i um remember just this really like you know having these like terrible feelings all the time of like feeling like a failure you know because i couldn't play in my trumpet anymore and i was in like the marching band at school and like i had all these expectations on me mm-hmm. um but what got me through that was actually realizing that my identity wasn't part of it wasn't as a trumpet player you know um it was as a musician like i, I i'd still had started on piano you know and, and I, I i think i remember um just going and just playing piano for a little bit just for fun just exploring you know and it felt really good and i think like that's really really why i consider myself just a musician today i feel like that's the one i'm really most comfortable with is um you know and that's not to that's not not to put any shame on people who are who identify themselves strongly as like instrumental right. vocalist dancer you know and also people who are put a lot of energy and time to learning those crafts but for me you know like i, I that's never even felt right for me like i i don't I want to do much, much more than that. Um, and it, it's what makes me happy, I think. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I don't, but you know, like I, I think what I was saying earlier is I don't, I don't get when people, I'll just, I'll just say the word like gatekeep um, mm-hmm. people playing different instruments or singing or, or dancing or, you know, I think what I love about, um, right. But I think I have loved about seeing people on, you know, social media, which is nice to keep, keep up is, you know, I mean, at first, everybody was like, I think there was this general like, okay, so much time to practice. Okay, I'm going to do so many projects. Okay, okay, like, just go, 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 right? And um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I got caught up in that a little bit, too. But like, I think that subsided over time. And and now I've just seen more people just explore, you know, like, I, I see people playing the guitar who don't normally play guitar, people singing, or people writing music or dancing, or, or doing things just like they find joy in. And that's the point you know that's that's the point of it all um so why gatekeep anything if somebody loves it i don't i don't understand that i don't think i ever will yeah yeah i mean you know i think that the you know the pen the panini panini, (laughs) panorama (laughs) that we're in um it did kind of cause people to have to slam on the brakes and like really think for a second about what they wanted to do. I mean, for me, I had to really think for a second about what I wanted to do artistically. Mm-hmm. And like, to be completely honest with you, I haven't played the Barry since maybe October. And I've been playing, I've, I've been playing alto more often than that. But even, even so, not even so much. I'm, I used to identify myself as a saxophone player because I went to school and studied saxophone and mm-hmm. I, whatever, I was like identifying as a jazz musician at the time. And it was really hard too for me and not because of like ombature troubles or anything like that, but just because of the entire culture of being a, a jazz musician, I just wasn't sure if I really fit into that. And so yeah. it's not so much playing jazz because I love playing the music and I love playing the Barry as well, but I kind of stopped playing for a while 
partly because of some shoulder and neck pain and stuff, but really because it wasn't really what I was identifying with anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's sad sometimes to think about that I'm just like not really playing jazz. I'm sure I will again, but I think what's really great about this time is that I've chosen to step away knowing, yeah, someday you'll go back to that and it'll feel good and it'll be fine. And you don't have to identify that way and you don't have to push yourself to be that person or that musician Mm -hmm. when there are so many other options for you. Like I am the, like one of those people who never ever played guitar and then started playing guitar at the beginning of 2020 Mm -hmm. and (laughs) now can kind of play guitar, something that I never thought I would ever do. And, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm still like kind of writing songs. I'm not, I'm a really lazy composer because I think that I get really in my head easily with that stuff. But Mm, I know that when I put music out, it's going to be really amazing and I'm going to like it. And I think the other people are going to like it too, because they're going to see a side of me that maybe I've let people see before, but not in such a confident and open Mm -hmm. way, because I've learned so much from kind of stepping away from certain aspects of music and entering different aspects, such as teaching music. Like you were saying, being a music teacher shows you a whole different perspective of yourself as a musician, how you view music. And it inspires me to see other kids that I teach talking about music and how they view it. To me, it teaches me a lot about what I think about it. Um, It helps me to move forward in it. And it's just been really great to let go of this idea that I have to be good at playing jazz because (laughs) I, I don't think I ever really had to be good. But there was definitely a part of me that felt like I really needed to be a good saxophone player and a good jazz musician. And now it's like I'm going to take all of the things that I learned as a as a jazz musician and mm-hmm. put it towards something new and something exciting for yeah. me. And the music will still be good. And well, you see, that's the thing is like, you know, I think because all that all that stuff is like for me, like the way I think about it sometimes is I. You know, I'm really generalizing here, but like I think from the time I first viewed my, the jazz band from a distance in seventh grade to when I graduated jazz performance school, um, it all feels like a giant blur in a way. Oh my God, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> of just like, whoa, I, you know, I, I'm really into jazz for such a long time. And the, the thing is, you know, I think everybody goes to jazz school for a reason. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. well, I mean, well, that's a that's a big, probably big topic, and more maybe has to do with how a lot of music schools are divided upon along jazz and classical, and you got to pick one. If you don't fit into classical, that you go to jazz, you know, and and right. that, that's a big old systemic problem in and of itself. But like you know, I think just speaking our experiences, like we both you know love jazz. Like I think we went into it loving. Like I loved jazz, and I, I love jazz mm-hmm. still. Um, but I, I describe it as a blur because it never was like the whole of who I was you know um and that and for some people it absolutely is like i i can think of people right now i can visualize them who i know you know are are full throttle with this and are happy and are really really you know do well and um but i think like when we get to school we start measuring you know in in certain schools um i think where those lines between jazz and classical are very strictly enforced you know um and Mm -hmm. they're not maybe as self-aware about it uh, as they should be and and i think yeah, I think there's a lot of problems with that. But like, you know, in those schools, yeah. you get kids who maybe aren't um, 
maybe you know they like jazz but it's it's like maybe not all everything they want to do but they're forced to do jazz all the time um and i think for me that was actually a little bit of me because i, I went into school you know loving jazz but also really not knowing what college even was not knowing right. like, you know what i wanted to do after college um and what i latched on to was just okay i'm in jazz school everybody's really good okay everybody practices all the time okay I probably need to practice all the time too. Okay. And like, I generally, I, I liked practice. I liked getting better at my instrument. I liked learning all the tunes in the rep list, you know, our, our repertoire list. I like, right. like transcribing solos. I like doing all that. But I realized over time, I was neglecting all the other things I liked, like music composition. I was neglecting, like, like film scoring for me was a really like recapturing a childhood, like innocence, you know, that I, I felt like I had been missing for a while of, of, you know, cause I, I loved films and I loved games. I loved like all the stuff that I was doing as a kid. I felt like when I was in school, it was like, you know, and all this stuff I realize now is absolutely for the most part, not for, not, I mean, there are probably some people, but mostly irrational social pressure or maybe right. group social pressure that is not reinforced by individuals, but more like, you know, nobody says anything, but like, this is how we feel of like, you have to only do jazz. You have to live, breathe, drink, you know, eat, sleep, jazz. You have to, I think I had somebody tell me once you have to go to the practice room, practice until you're tired and then, you know, go in the morning so that you're ready, warmed up and practice until school starts. And, I'm, <laughs> and, and I was just like, you know, good for you. Um, but, uh, you oh know, my God. like for me, it's like, I, I mean, I, yeah, that's a whole other thing of like practice quantity versus quality. I'm very much on the quality train. I tell my students, you know, if you can get 15 minutes of efficient practice versus two hours of sitting on your phone for 45 minutes, you know, kind of playing with a metronome, feeling pretty tired, choose mm -hmm. the 15 minutes, you know, of targeted. And I, that's what I teach my students, how to practice efficiently, how to target your practice, you know, what to work on. That's a big thing for me. Because um, for me, that was, it was a reject. Like, I used to be there. Like, I would go to the practice room for hours. And I remember there was one stretch in college where I did that and I just burnt myself out. Like, I think I, it was like a switch. It was all of a sudden I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> and I, something had to change, something had to give. So yeah, it sounds like, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot of the things you're saying are things that I definitely feel. And I think talking to some other people, you know, are things that people feel too. It's just, it's almost like a shameful thing. People don't want to talk about, you know, that, I don't know. Like, and when I say shameful, I mean, obviously this is something it's not to be shameful of, you know? Right, right. Like, but it feels that way sometimes. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, a pressure of, you know, you you you're not able to stand up to the the rigorous amount of you know like i think for me it's just do what you want to do that's what it comes down to do what you want to do in music and if you don't know what you want to do you need to take a second and and think about it and that's okay that's fine like yeah that's what you know what you said like everybody right now during this time has, has had the chance to do that and i love jazz like jazz will always be mm -hmm. mine and even if i well my my, my love it's something i love to yeah. do and even if I don't express it out, really, even if I'm not, you know, posting jazz videos on my Instagram all the time, which again, people do that. Cool. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I don't have a love of jazz. That doesn't mean it's not there. You know, I'm not going to, I no longer want to define myself by how other people maybe view me. You know, I think that's what it comes down to for me personally. Oh, no, me too. Me too. I mean, that was kind of part of my identity crisis as well as kind of letting go of what other people thought of me and what I kind of had built up for myself and who I wanted people to see me as, mm -hmm. as a musician and as a saxophone player and all that stuff. And I mean, for me, what I was neglecting for you, it was composition and stuff. For me, it was singing because mm -hmm. I always thought I was a better singer than anything else, but I never wanted anyone to hear me sing. Mm -hmm. 
because I was self-conscious about it and I needed to kind of grow into myself so that I could start singing in front of people. Right. Absolutely. And that's like a huge thing. And, um, the other thing about, uh, about school is that, yeah, you are expected to practice night and day and just make your entire life practicing your instrument and getting better. And it's awesome for the people who can, who can do that practice for six to eight hours a day or God knows how long and, and achieve that and, and not lose their minds. But for me, (laughs) I absolutely would lose my mind. And I think I, I like achieved a balance somewhere in my senior year slash like super senior year where I would be practicing and I'd have a couple friends, like a friend or two, they'd also practice. And then we'd come together and take a break mm-hmm. and then we'd go practice and then we'd come and take a break again. And then we'd practice and then we'd go out and drink <laughs> worked because <laughs> we got our shit done, but we could also like take breaks and talk to each other. And then we could go to Casey Moore's after and, and have a couple drinks and everything was fine. But you know, that balance took forever for me to achieve because I still had to learn how to practice. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so different for everyone too. And when you're in school, you're just kind of expected to learn how to practice and get a routine going a little quicker than maybe would be natural for you. And so, you know, as is with anything in life, you have to take time to figure out what actually works for you and what doesn't. And Mm -hmm. It sucks when there are pressures on you where you feel like you have to figure that out sooner rather than later. But, you know, like with with all things music for me right now, I am just going with when I feel inspired Mm -hmm. and only when I feel inspired. Never going to sit down and try to force myself to do music anymore. And what's great is like I love listening to music of all kinds, but particularly I like listening to like soundtrack music mm-hmm. anime soundtrack music because i'm a huge yeah. nerd and even if i have never heard the anime before i will listen to the music first mm-hmm. and what's really fun about that is because i can allow my mind and my body to interpret the music however i want and then i'll go watch the show or watch the movie or whatever mm-hmm. and i'll be like holy shit <laughs> like this is so cool and i'll always be satisfied with the end result like and there is still anime music that is so close to my damn heart. <laughs> if I listen to it, yeah. I'll always feel happy and I'll always feel emotional and yeah. I'll always be able to go back to it and be like, wow, this is great. Like, for example, um, I, I haven't seen Princess Mononoke. I've not seen that movie. Oh, can we talk about the, the score to Princess Mononoke? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say because I listened to the music. Okay. Well, I think I've seen the movie at some point when I was really young. I just don't remember it. Like, I've, I swear I've seen some of the English dub, but English the, dub is trash. We movie, all know that. <laughs> the movie, honestly, the movie feels like a childhood um, dream. Like, I, that's what I love about <clears throat> the Studio Ghibli movies is they, yes. all, they all feel like, I don't, I don't want to say fever dreams, but what, <laughs> they, they all feel like these these memories, you know, like we can think back to our childhood, a lot of us, and it, it's colored and, you know, at least for me, it's like colored and in wavy ways and it's hazy and you know in a good way i think but that's just how memory works and those films feel like that they feel like memories we have of our childhood in a way or like dreams we've had and that's what i love about it it's just yeah i wanted to gush about studio ghibli really quick no i get it and i mean i still haven't seen i've I've seen most of them now but i haven't seen all the movies um and but I have listened to like all the soundtracks because yeah. I've heard that they're amazing. And 
It's true. They do because we yeah. grew up with them. Like those movies were coming out when we were young. Mm-hmm. So they really do feel like that connection to us. But yeah, the Princess Mononoke soundtrack is so, so good. I just listened to it. Gotcha. Um, I was in Tucson with a friend and they turned it on and they were like, it's Princess Mononoke. Haven't you seen this? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you say like, because like for me, I... I, I I can't listen to a score until I've seen the movie or because like I feel like um, or or I mean sometimes okay like because if I do listen to the score then I won't watch the movie for a really long time because I get right. interpretation so I will I will take I will because I want to try to experience it all together and then get into it but yeah I mean like with with because okay so Joe Hasaishi um, I hope I'm saying his name right the composer for Studio I Ghibli, think so he's a genius he's like my f- probably my top film composer of all time either top three or whatever all of his films are all of his scores are just straight up top 10 you know just they're great i mean like but princess mononoke for me i only yeah i because i my favorite film studio ghibli film um was spirited away growing up um yeah which uh, i mean it's probably a lot of people's favorite films but uh I, i i think about that film a lot now because like you know, there's a lot of films when I was growing up that I loved the music to, but I could never put, I could never, I, I couldn't understand, like, I wanted to compose that music or write that music. And, and now I listen to the score for that. And I'm just, like, so filled with this childhood euphoria, but but also, like, you know, anticipation or excitement of what will come in the future. And I think what you said about, like, waiting until the right moment to compose, that is so, well, it's, okay, that's a really big conversation. Because I've had some people tell me, I'm not going to compose until I'm good enough. You know, which I think oh, is the, yeah. the, well, I think that's the, the, there's a lot of, there's a spectrum to this and that's part of that spectrum. And like, I understand where that's coming from, but I also don't agree with them because, because that you'll never be ready enough. You'll never be good enough to start composing. That's not how it works. Um, you know, or, I mean, I don't know how it works, but that's not, in my opinion, that's not how it works, but no, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, but, but on, mm-hmm. on the other hand, you know, and I know this firsthand is forcing yourself to write is unhealthy. Um, like when I wrote Life Story, I there, a lot of the album was written feverishly from the hours of two a.m. to four a.m. in the music school, um, oh. where I would only write four to ten measures at a time in two hours, and most of it would be just me like softly banging my head on the grand piano of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> practice room. Um, you oh, know, but no, like Alex. it was unhealthy. I, it was definitely not healthy when I was writing that album, and I think I it was a big wake up call for me to for you know. It's, it's for me it's not like waiting to the right moment it's it's like i have a, a capacity you know i'll be listening to music and i'll be like oh, i love this music this is awesome but eventually that spills over into oh this is i really want to write i want to get some things out like you know it, that's how it works for me and it's a cycle um and i just you know i'll, I'll maybe I'll sit, I'll sit with like the way i compose i just sit with logic and i write like i have templates and things and yeah and then, then i'll just you know close it up and write you know go back to listening or playing or practicing and and then it's that it's like a really natural cycle for me of just like, you know, there's no pressure to write. And I've also gotten because this is tricky because, you know, we're artists and music is our job as well. And for me, you know, I've had to write for for scores and deadlines and I've gotten a lot better at, at forcing myself to write healthily. Um, you know, uh, there's ways to do that. Um, but when I'm writing things like for my own future projects, um, mm-hmm. I will. I will only start writing when I, when it's like something where it's like, I can't not write, you know, it's like, I have to go do it to get, that's how I, yeah. 
No, that's awesome. And that's, that was your process. That's how you figured it out. You, mm-hmm. you did the crazy, like, I'm going to stay in this practice room until I get shit done that's thing, which doesn't, <laughs> right. Which doesn't work for most people. Like I, I, I mean, I have other composer friends who say the same kind of stuff. It's like, you can't really do it like that. I mean, yeah. for me, I've always been the person who writes something and goes, that sounds too much like something else. It doesn't sound original enough. Mm. And that will always, that's just the worst thing you can say because <laughs> it's not true. Well, You're always going to make it sound like you if you can trust yourself to do it. I, I mean, something- I'm a big believer in like taking a seed from somebody else and running mm-hmm. with it, you know, because I like... I've I've dropped the pretense that you know anything I do is completely original a long time ago um you know or things we I think well because like we owe so much to the people around us we owe so much to our teachers and our peers and the artists that we love you know so I'm not going to sit here and, and, and go my album was completely yeah. originally me um like I have a I think it's even like featured on my Spotify a, a playlist of, of music I was inspired by by listening but like like you said yeah you, it's that faith that you will make it your own, you know, like you could get, I think I got really inspired by like a certain rhythm. It was like, um, I think it was the Abaqua that yes. Matt, Matt Stordo talked about a couple episodes ago for mm-hmm. those other viewers. Um, and, uh, there was a, a song that I, the jazz tune that, that used that as, as like a transition a metric modulation. And I was just like, mm-hmm. Oh wait, I want, I want that. I wanted to use that somewhere. So I did. Um, but that doesn't, you know, no, somebody, nobody has ownership of things like that. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like, like for me, I read this coffee table style book called Art, um, steal like an artist, which really was a big influence on me. Um, nice. my, my, my cousin gave it to me and it was like, it's amazing. And the, the, I can get so far into that, but like, you know, this is all I need to say is really the, the, the person who wrote it, Austin Cleon, I think is his name. His, he's an artist but he makes his art by blacking out newspaper articles, you know, um, it makes poetry. He takes articles oh, and he blacks yeah. out everything but a couple words. And I think that's a really good way to put it is, you know, what you, what you make is not entirely original, but that doesn't mean it's not you, you know, you can, you can still make something. We, we always build on what comes before. Um, so I think, I think that feeling of like, when you, you listen to your music, you're like, Ooh, this, this doesn't sound original. I mean, maybe, maybe that's a sign you should just keep workshopping it. Um, but yeah. I also think yeah. that's okay. You know, I mean like, okay. Stealing, like literally taking someone else's song and copy paste. That's not right. But <laughs> not, not advocating for um, what, What's the word? Um, plagiarism. No, I'm not plagiarism. not advocating for plagiarism. But, <laughs> but, um, but I think, yeah, I think I'm, I'm like, like everything I said before, I think is really how I feel about music and composition. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was going to start getting into when you said, you know, taking a seed from someone else and kind of running with it and, mm-hmm. and going off of that. That's kind of what I started to do in order to start writing mm-hmm. is I'll listen to an artist or a piece of music that really inspires me and I'll kind of like sing along to it and come up with a counter melody or like something kind of different, mm-hmm. but it's in the same key or it's using the same chords because you can't own chords, you know? Yeah, I, I mean... I can. I can take a phrase with chords mm-hmm. and um, just create my own little melody from it. And that's how I end up writing. So, you know, sometimes that's soundtrack music. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kaoru or Kaoru, if I'm going to sound really white. Okay. Kaoru Wada or Kaoru Wada oh, is nice. the name of the composer I'm thinking of. Oh. So that's who I was trying to say. 
they composed the music for Inuyasha, which is like my favorite anime of all time. And that's like, for anybody who knows about Inuyasha, they're going to be like, oh, that's like the most stereotypical anime you could name (laughs) as like your favorite anime. Like that and Death Note are like the two where people are like, come on. (laughs) I haven't seen that one. So I, I... I, I, I won't say that to you. So you'll be safe from me saying that. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, Inuyasha is totally, you know, it's like a fantasy anime. It's mm-hmm. got, it's, it, it was like, it took place in feudal Japan and, mm-hmm. you know, there's like demons and all that good stuff and it's a romance. So mm-hmm. whatever, but the music from it is so, so good. And I've always loved it ever since I heard it in like sixth grade or however young I was when I first discovered anime on um adult swim late at night (laughs) and um I'll listen to that and I'll start trying to learn it something I always wanted to do right something that when I was first learning how to play music it's like oh I'd love to play music from this but I don't know how yet and now that I'm older I can go back and learn it now and dissect it a little bit and analyze it and whatever and then come up with something inspired from that and it'll totally sound different it won't even sound close to the the song that I thought it sounded like right yeah. but it's just taking taking the leap and, and going there and telling yourself that it'll end up okay mm-hmm. that's like the most fun thing about composing for me because I'm I mean it's in no way fun for me but <laughs> I think it's just because of the the inner turmoil in my head that I go through um well, mean, in reality you say it's not fun for you but like is it what, what if what if there was no none of that pressure what if there was none of that um that voice I guess that that's telling you that's giving you that turmoil would you still would you still enjoy composition you think or I think I would think it was fun that's kind of what I'm thinking is that the inner turmoil in my head is something that can eventually go away with some training, with some mindfulness, you know, with some meditation, you know, (laughs) it's like, just take the negativity out of your head and just listen to your body and listen to what it's telling you because. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this goes like, you know, there's, I I think for me, what really helps is separating, okay, what's coming from inside and what's coming from outside, you know, like, and this is why, you know, now I, I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable doing what I'm doing with film scoring and you know, going in this direction because on the inside, this is something I really love. And, you know, I, I love listening to this music and like, you know, I've, you describe with Inuyasha, I'm not saying that right, but yeah, Inuyasha. yeah, you describe with the music to that, like those, I, for me, I follow those feelings. Like, and I've, I've had those feelings with jazz music. I've had those feelings with, I really like, you know, folk and like singer songwriter music, um, with like i have a list um playlist which is probably hundreds of hours long on spotify that i just dump all the music in that uh, i call it magic music which is probably really dumb with <laughs> no way uh but like the, the way i describe that is like music that gives you these like indescribable feelings that you you can't categorize it's just a visceral reaction to it and um and uh, for me i'm always chasing that feeling and uh, so, like, yeah, with with composition, you know, I'm. It's, it's something that I always would love love to do, and I'm I'm trying to follow that. And those voices for, for me that are telling me, oh, it's not original, oh, it's not going to be good, oh, people are going to think this is dumb, um, those are all there, but they're not coming from me. They're coming from outside, you know. Yeah. Um. I mean, sometimes it's okay to follow that. I think, like, you know, uh, especially in like collaboration, artistic collaboration, where you're you're with someone else. 
um, that's something where it's really like, you know, I work with directors and I think one of the first films I worked on, I was kind of passive aggressive about my music. Well, not passive. I hope I wasn't, but I, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I gave the first draft to this director and, and they gave it back to me and they had a ton of notes. And I mean, you know, that's, that's super normal, but it was like my first film. And I was like, what? This wasn't perfect the first time. Oh, <laughs> and you can never expect that. Yeah, true, true. But like also, I mean, for me, though, it was, you know, working with under somebody else's artistic vision. And, you know, th I actually cherish that going into films. Now I, I go into it like telling the director, hey, give me as many notes as you can, because I want to work with you on this. And but like, you know, when you're working on something personal and something that's 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 yours, you know, um, those voices, I think, you know, the, those the pressure and all that, I really whenever i feel overwhelmed by that i take a second and i just go okay me or them me or, me or somebody else is that coming from outside and if it's coming from outside i try to just go don't worry about it you know just do what you want to do do what you do what you love to do and things will be okay they always are i think it's just hard to remember that in the yeah, moment it, and i think absolutely. that yeah you know with a mixture of like imposter syndrome and syndrome mm -hmm. <laughs> imposter syndrome and just like confidence yeah. struggles that I think artists deal with. It's mm -hmm. kind of hard to remember how okay it's going to be and <laughs> oh, how yeah. oh, it's, oh, great sorry. it's going to end up. I mean, I, I like to talk like, you know, it's easy, but um, no, you're, oh my gosh, you're so right. It's hard. This stuff is hard to do. Um, like being a musician is, or being an artist is tricky, you know, and, but like we, we do it for a reason, I think. And, and you love, you know, making music or talking about music or playing music for a reason. And, mm -hmm. and um, I think, yeah, even when it's even when it's really tough and even we're, we're beating ourselves down, I think, you know, what you could do is like you could even just write things down, like maybe even, you know, when we're, we're done, you could write like I, I have a little note sheet sometimes where I'll put things on of just little affirmations yeah. of like it's going to be fine or, you know, that that um, the you know, your music is cool or like, you know, wh whatever things like, and I mean, these are all whatever you need. But yeah, whatever you need. Exactly. And that way you have something to counteract, you know, um, you, you have a little lifeline to grab and those things are so important. And I think like, you know, talking about this kind of stuff, that's why I love your podcast is I feel like a lot of people don't talk about this, you know, like these are things we need to talk about as artists. And, um, you know, even, even like, I think a lot of people, not, I don't think hide, hide's not the right word, but people, a lot of people use their practice and use their, you know, sheer technical skill, I think, as a, a way to escape from those feelings, in a, in a sense. Yeah. Or, you know, like, instead of facing that, they go and just shed a ton. Um, and, you know, next time they play, it'll be better. But it's, I think the, the best way to get through that is to, is to face those head on. And, you know, if, if you can. Um, yeah, that's why I didn't want to say hide or escape. I think escape is even too much because I don't want to judge anybody who does that or consciously right. or unconsciously. You know, I've done that. Like, um, I've also done the opposite of that. of like quitting when I felt like I was having a lot of issues playing or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, but I think if we can just get to a point where everybody is okay with being vulnerable, you know, um, I mean, this is, I mean, outside of music too. <laughs> in the, oh, yeah. The wider world. It's a, it's a worldwide all all yeah. consuming thing that we want to achieve but no i'm really glad that you're saying all this it is it is really really it's something that i 
have always been able to kind of easily do is be vulnerable. And sometimes it's bitten me in the ass a little bit. It's mm. like, sometimes it's not always the right time or place. Oh my but gosh. Yeah. Like the, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it, but it, but it is really something I feel like I've had a lot of conversations like this behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but what I, what I wanted to do with the podcast too, is be able to get these conversations recorded and put somewhere so that other people can hear them too, because yeah. it's really fun to, kind of kick it with all your friends and have these talks but yeah i mean it's even more fun to be able to kind of go back and the thing is like you know yeah like for you having them listen to is really great but and also you know these conversations i feel like when i graduated i had tons of like you said behind the scenes tons of these conversations with people and what we would always do is wait you felt this way wait i felt you we we both felt this way right and but like (laughs) yeah everybody feels this way this is it's just natural, you know, if, if you're somebody who cares about what you do and cares about, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're a human, I guess, then you, you feel this way. And I, I love this podcast. And um, I, I think there's also another podcast that I, I've been listening to a lot or try not to plug another podcast on a podcast, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's one called Phone a Friend. Um, and it's um, one of my favorite musicians. His name's Ollie MN. Um, and it's him and his more popular songwriter friend, George Ezra, just talking about, it's like a mental health podcast. They, it, the premise is they call each other once a week to check up on how they're doing. And um, That's awesome. Yeah, I actually really like that. It's lovely. That's really cool. It's so good. And it's these kind of conversations people have, but they don't want to be public in a way or like, not, not you know, maybe not consciously, but like, I think that's what I love about your podcast is, you know, these, there are people like I know, you know, who are discussing these things and it's, it's really validating and, and nice to hear people talk about, you know, their struggles or, or their, their feelings or, you know, it's, it's, it's just nice. I mean, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you feel that way because <laughs> that's, that's definitely one of the goals that I had with it and, and everything. And it's, it's been really, really awesome to kind of put a lot of my time and my energy into the podcast because mm-hmm. of that, and because of just being able to, to, to hear everyone's, stories and my friends who are listening you'll have already heard a clip from alex earlier in the episode but at the end of the episode i'm gonna throw in some some fun clips for you to check out and you know make sure to to check out alex on instagram and just find him on all music platforms and and check out all this stuff that's available because it's good shit it's the good shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> yes, please, please it's... check me out. <laughs> yes. No, I know. This is the always the awkward part. <laughs> Listen to my music on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music. Um, iTunes isn't a thing anymore, right? Um, oh, no, it's SoundCloud. Bandcamp. Listen, you know my music. Uh, you can just go to my <laughs> website at alexanderleeprice.com, um, and I have everything linked there. Um, you know past present future stuff too so if you want to check that out hell yeah thank you so much for for coming on and talking to me i knew that our episode would be really awesome and i'm really i think it was and we talked about some awesome stuff yeah well thanks thanks for having me on and thanks for having such a a really great podcast for the community around here so (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) sobbing at the end of the microphone oh my god (sighs) Well, y'all know what to do. Listen for some clips at the end. Listen for my Patreon plug at the end. Sorry, not sorry. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. It's going to a good place, all right? (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, the the first month of the Patreon went to the Navajo Nation, mm-hmm. and I think that this month's has to go to Texas. Like, oh yeah, oh, my obviously. Gosh. So. <laughs> yes. We're we're bringing it to good places, and we're always donating to good organizations. And merch coming soon, y'all. <laughs> moment to thank everyone again for listening to tonight's podcast. Some of you may be listening early and that is through my Patreon that was just launched for the Aria podcast. The thing about the Patreon is that all proceeds that I make from my patrons immediately go to organizations for donations, including but not limited to the Navajo Nation Department of Health, the Navajo Nation Relief Fund, the Native American Advancement Foundation, and the Black Empowerment Plus Mutual Aid Project. All of these are located in Arizona, and the goal of the Patreon is to actually support and donate to organizations for Black, Indigenous, people of color, the LGBTQ plus community, etc. If you would like to suggest a organization that you would like the ARIA podcast to donate to, I am absolutely open to suggestions. You can send a DM to the ARIA podcast Instagram page, or you can hit me up personally. My name is Julianne Colwell, and you can find me easily on social media. This podcast is all about supporting our community, and so my goal with the podcast and with the Patreon is to take these proceeds and donate them every month. If you're interested in donating in another way, or if you just know of someone in need that you would like me to donate to, you can also let me know that way. 